So welcome. Audio Survival Guide. You're listening to it. This is part two. If you haven't listened to part one, either don't listen to it or go back and listen to it. In the last section, we talked about how to get to Burning Man and not fuck up your entire life while getting to Burning Man. And in this section, we're going to talk about how not to fuck up your life while you're at Burning Man. This is how not to fuck up being at Burning Man in the first place. Or in the second place. Which is what this is. And I'm D-Day. And And you're Rex. And and I'm Beth. (laughs) <laughs> and that's Beth. Good job cutting him off there, Beth. Yeah. This is us doing the unofficial Burning Man Survival Guide for 2016, and we are from a podcast called Accuracy Third. You can find us on the interwebs. We're doing an oral history of Black Rock City. So, some of you going to Burning Man may have been to other festivals in the past. A lot of these festivals may or may not have been music festivals. Burning Man is not a music festival. There's no main stage lineup. There's no commerce. You're not going to somewhere where you can buy branded material. You're not going to somewhere where you can buy $20 beers. You're not going to somewhere where you can buy almost anything other than ice and coffee. And the few trinkets in the gift shop. If you find the gift shop, there are a few things you can buy there. Burning Man is a culture that operates under 10 principles. It's like the Ten Commandments, except less judgy. <laughs> I, I, I get pretty judgy about yeah. you, no Trace, but that's just me. The crunchier you are, the judgy you get to be. <laughs> I mean, I'm saying you're welcome to covet your neighbor's wife at Burning Man. That's, I think there's actually a theme camp about that. Yeah, your neighbor's <laughs> wife is there for that. <laughs> We're just going to run down these principles. And why they're important. Sure. <laughs> so, so what happened is Burning Man got big enough at one point that the people that created Burning Man wanted some touchstones that they could have so that in acculturating people to this new community, they had some buzzwords to hang their culture on. And these are those 10 things that they held high enough as examples of what it took to get through the week that they wanted to share in a bullet point format. When the going gets rough It's too hard not to be tough Grab your boots and an old long coat And a friendly bottle for your aching throat And when you stumble When you stumble, don't be afraid to break down You know sometimes you gotta break down by the side of the road Break down and love life from the gutter Break down watching the stars grow Radical inclusion, gifting, decommodification, radical self-reliance, radical self-expression, communal effort, civic responsibility, leaving no trace, participation, and immediacy. Wow, it's almost like you had those written down. On a magnet. In a magnet that's in your hand. And I have two, and I got them from the gift shop, (sighs) www.burningman.org. There's no gift shop online. There is a gift shop on Playa. Go find it. So let's go through these. Let's talk about them. If you are unfamiliar with the Unitarian Church... The Unitarian Church has a series of voted on commandments, kind of, that they all agree to are their principles about their creepy religion. Creepy non-religion. Sorry, Unitarians. I understand they're not super religious. But this is this is our creepy religion. 
So yay, here's the Kool-Aid for you. This is what we think we, like the royal we, like we is in the, we. We, we is in the Borg. Oh, God. Okay. You will be assimilated. So something. Oh, I see what you borged there. <laughs> wow, that's the first Borg pun I have ever goddamn heard. That is awful. Okay, so radical inclusion. Look around you. There are a lot of people out there, and they might look different than people that you normally talk to. They might function differently than people that you normally interact with. What the culture is asking you to do is feel happy and excited and open to interacting with all kinds of new people. Find an open-hearted way to let actual, genuine human interactions happen. Like, radical inclusion means everyone. It means that that, that the creepy guy at the end of the bar without any pants on might be really awesome, and you should probably talk to him. you got to remember, anybody who's gone to the effort to be a member of our community deserves the respect that you'd give to any member of your neighborhood, your, your real physical community. Black Rock City is your home for a week, and everybody there is your neighbor. It's not nothing to get out there. And I have met some of the wealthiest and some of the poorest people I know from being out at Burning Man. And we're all out there creating something. And that's something that we're creating. You don't get to find out about their facet of it if you're judging them from across the room. Everybody's invited to our party. <laughs> I just, I just, these, these, I... I agree with all of these. They're just so fucking cheesy and corny and not at all at the heart of the thing. But they kind of are. Oh, yeah, are they? Talk to me about gifting, D-Day. I will. Good. Um, so the Tell gift- me why we don't just call that giving. Um, I don't know why we don't just call that giving. I, and I actually know the answer to that. Gifting is a, actually a, a specific reference to potlatch culture which is a ritualized gifting celebration. So you're saying it's appropriate of Native American culture. It would be appropriate if we had a potlatch and we were expected to give hand-carved totems. And there is a lot of pointless giving of totems out there. There absolutely is. The point is to the the point of gifting as opposed to giving is to make your creative effort about somebody else's experience. Um the first year I went out, I got a whole bunch of I think they were purple glass beads that were shiny and pretty and at that point i was just learning to sew and instead of using thread which can snap i was using dental floss which is strong enough to like tie a door to another door so no one can open either door and is punk rock as hell right and i like to think that i was at that point and i still like to think i am a little bit but <laughs> i made these necklaces i made these really punk rock bejeweled necklaces out of dental floss and beads and i gave them to people and i had one and I wore it for like a day. And then I just put it in the corner of my tent because that was some <laughs> stupid bullshit. And now what I bring to gift to people is things that some people honestly need. I buy so much lip balm and I bring out 15 sticks of it because I lose at least three during the event. If I have 15, I know that there's a good eight for me and a good eight for me to pass out to folks that need it. And I do the same thing with lighters. And other small incidentals like that that folks might need. Batteries of all shapes and sizes. Watch batteries. You can get them it's from... A prison economy is what D-Day is saying. Yeah. Bear claws, <laughs> cigarettes, <laughs> condoms. In the realm of gift, I, I've gotten really amazing pieces of handmade jewelry and I've gotten junk. I've gotten amazing food and I've gotten Twinkies. 
I got a beautiful little pair of sewing scissors that I still trim things with to this day. This was years ago. Uh, and it wasn't handmade and it wasn't cheap garbage. It was a, a really nice, specific piece of life equipment. I've gotten books of other people's art. Artistic, interesting, snarky stickers or pins are always welcome. I have a friend who got a stained glass sculpture of the man with the year. Oh, that's lovely. Gifting is not just things. You can give your time. You can give your energy. You can give consumables. Please, please give people alcohol for God's sake. (laughs) (laughs) But give freely and with no expectation of anything in return is the point. It's not bartering. You're not leveraging something you have for something that someone else has. Give somebody something that will remind them of you a week or a year or half a lifetime from now. Give to put a smile on somebody's face. Gross. Okay. I really like (laughs) us leveraging our different ideas of what these things mean. Out of all of us crotchety old burners, Beth is the crotchetiest burner of us all. (laughs) And is the most cynical about like these tenants that we try to pre-acculturate folks with. Yeah, it's super important, everybody. So now the next one, this one really is quite important. Radical self reliance. Show up with the shit you need. Do you know what you need out there? You need fucking water. Bring your own goddamn water. Don't expect people to bring your fucking water for you. Like a gallon and a half, two gallons for every day you expect to be out there, unless you expect to be out there for a week and a half or longer. In which case, after that week and a half, you only need about a gallon a day because your body has regulated, realized that the environment around you is going to kill you, and has decided to start conserving all of that shit because you're probably only going to be alive for the next month or so. And it means more than just bringing the shit you need. It means bringing the resources that you're going to need internally. It means don't lay your stress and your trip on your campmates or your neighbors. Handle your own business. Hey, it's terrible. I know that you just broke up with someone and you planned on going to Burning Man together. Do not go to Burning Man together. Oh my fucking God, what are you thinking? No, you loved each other and you had a really great relationship, but you're not strong enough to do this. No one is. Which brings us to radical self-expression, which is that would be an appropriate outburst on Playa, but while we're recording this, it's just sort of I'm going to say creepy and projection <laughs> Oh, I did yeah, that. Yeah, and delightfully specific. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, I did that. So radical self-expression means, hey, you know where's a good place to shout at people? Burning Man. You know where's not a good place to shout at people? Anywhere the fuck else. So bring yourself. Shout nice things if you're capable. If you're not, shout awful things and then everyone will stay away from you. It's great. Bring your true, authentic self in that stupid, boring, hippie kind of way. You know, dress like you, act like you, figure out what specific brand of dirtbag you are. <laughs> Leave your shame at home. Leave your embarrassment and your, your insecurity at home. Just come out and do what you want to do. Do what you've always wanted to do. Do wear pants if you are wearing a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> or don't. Donald Duck in it is the new thing. I like a good shirt cunting. It's nice. It feels very breezy. Oh, I always call that shirt twatting. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> or top twatting. 
so dress and undress and express and do all of those things because you. Yay, you. (laughs) (laughs) And you're at Burning Man. And you're relying on yourself so you can express yourself. The next one, this is actually my favorite one. They make me, on the crew that I work with out there, they, they force me in my survey to fill out which of my favorite 10 principles is my favorite. And this is my favorite one. It's communal effort. I love building things with people. It's the best part of being out there for me. And that is one of my favorite things in the world to do is when I'm actually at the event and not volunteering, I often find myself helping people out when I see that they're unloading a truck or I see that they're holding down shade or I see that they need a bunch of beer to be drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Beth, you're a trooper and you do it for us. It's really fun to help people. It's how you find stuff it's how you make stuff that is worth making and the the thing about communal effort is it's the backbone of what makes the event so amazing artistically which is that we have these ridiculous large-scale amazing pieces of art and there ain't no fucking way you're making that with one set of hands big rig jig was not one person stacking a fucking tanker truck on top of another it wasn't even one person's vision And in the way that out there, you can't really go it alone because as much as you can plan, you can't plan for all of the contingencies. And as capable as you are, you're not capable of everything. And you know what? Maybe take that lesson outside to your regular life as well. Maybe start viewing the whole world as this communal project that we're working on because everything we do affects someone. And you start affecting enough people and maybe we could make some real change out there. All right, that's communal effort. You should do it. Then there's one that I think of as similar maybe even redundant, which is civic responsibility. There's the imperative there that isn't there with communal effort. Like there's there's a lot of ways to take part that is not exactly taking responsibility for you, your space around you, and the way that that affects the folks around you. Can I give an imperative to everyone who is listening to this, meaning our like 10 friends and like you poor suckers who are going for the first time, At some point during the event, you will absolutely meet someone who needs some fucking help. There's someone who has taken too many drugs, is too drunk, hasn't had enough water, is fucking sunburned, is lost, is really sad because their partner just broke up with them. And one of the ways that I like to help at Burning Man is very occasionally picking that person and helping them out. And it might mean getting them to a ranger or getting them to the hospital. It might mean inviting them back to your place and letting them reorient to themselves and just drink some water and eat some food. It might mean joking them out of their weird complex that they're about to die. In my group of friends, we always call this spatula-ing. Spatula-ing. Someone, and, and if you do this once, then you can feel okay walking by the other people and go, you know what? Someone is going to take care of that. Mm. So if you take the time and energy to help someone when they're fucked up, then someone is going to take that time and energy when you are fucked up and need help. Because that's going to happen too. Civic responsibility dovetails with communal effort. If you're on the cleanup crew and you're picking up cigarette butts in a line sweep with a bunch of people, you're going to have a life-changing experience. You're going to make amazing friends. You're going to feel tremendous about the work you're doing. If you're out on the playa on Saturday night having a good time and you see a cigarette butt lying on the ground and you reach down and you pick it up, you've done the right thing. You've done the thing that every burner should do. You've taken care of your city. It's your civic responsibility. You didn't do it communally, 
But it's very similar. It's the same thing. It's the Burning Man experience. And selfishly, if we leave the playa worse than when we found it, the Bureau of Land Management will not let us come back to the Black Rock Desert and have our party. Which goes into the next principle, which is the same as the last principle, but slightly different, which is leave no trace. This is a camping ethos, and we are a city of campers. And when you go into the wilderness, it is not only your responsibility to take all of the garbage out that you created, it's your responsibility to pick up some of the garbage that you found and take that out with you as well. Yeah, all three of these, they sort of go together hand in hand. It's your civic responsibility to leave no trace. And if we all put in the communal effort, it gets done. And it does get done. And people around the world look to Burning Man as a model of Leave No Trace events. You look at some of these big music festivals that happen. Coachella is like listening to music standing in other people's garbage. You even look at Pride Parade in San Francisco, and it trashes the city. To have 70,000 people come out to a pristine environment and party like fucking rock stars for a week, and two months later have it be a pristine environment again. It's tremendous. I would like to call out Dolores Park. People just throw their napkins and bags and bottles on the ground and expect that somebody else will clean up after them. We're better than that. It's your stuff. You either bought it or made it or brought it out there, and it is goddamn well your responsibility to take it out with you. And now that we're done shaming. (laughs) And now that we've told you you were all awful and pick up your own fucking garbage. The next two principles that are basically the same again. There's participation. You should do it. You don't come out there to watch shit. I guess unless watching shit is participation, which depends on how you read performance theory. Well, the performance theorists among (laughs) us could argue that for days. But for just the layperson, I think when somebody offers you the opportunity to take part, no matter how knee-jerky no your reaction might be, if it doesn't seem like a truly uncomfortable or dangerous thing for you to do, say yes, try it out, take part. It's not something you go and watch. Burning Man is something you go and do. And the more you put into it, the more you do it, the bigger a bite you take, the better it is. And one of my favorites, honestly... Something that I wish would be more replicated outside of Burning Man and in the world at large is decommodification. Burning Man is an experience and one of several experiences that I had that taught me that the brands of shit does not matter. And if it does matter, it does not need to be shouting at you who made it all of the time. Scratch out a couple of those letters, make a different word. Just put a piece of tape over it. Please don't advertise your shit out there at Burning Man. If what you have is so revolutionarily great that somebody needs to ask you who made it so they can get one of those because they can't get one of those from a different company, fine, ask that person. But you don't need to be shouting that shit out at people all of the time. When when they leave and get to their first convenience store or gas station, then they can see the deluge of brands again. But don't bring your brands to Burning Man, please. That's one of my favorite ones that I forgot because it feels weird to say decommodification when it really means like, hey, only buy these specific things. But we do work to take the brands out of it. 
And also there's no advertising, no marketing, no vending at the event. And it's hard to emphasize how tremendous an experience it is to be in what's essentially an urban environment and not have somebody trying to separate you from your money every moment of the day. The expectation is that you are generous and that if you have some extra, you will pass it along. And you can, and you should if you want to. And if you don't, hoard all your stuff and pack it back up and drag it back to where you came from when the event is over. But seriously, you'll you'll feel a lot better sharing what you have with the folks around you. The real easy way to create community is by taking care of the space around you and the folks around you and being, for lack of a better term, a part of. I feel like we skipped one. Did we skip one? Yeah, we didn't talk about immediacy, but ah. it's the same as so many other ones. Who cares? Immediacy is a part of participation. Participate immediately with immediacy. Zip, sam, boom. I, I actually think immediacy is one of the more complex and nuanced ones. And, and probably the, the hardest one to read on the surface. Immediacy is more about the expectation of human interaction. It's about face-to-face -face interactions with other people and engaging with people as opposed to engaging with media. Burning Man is in a place where you're texting with people on your cell phones. It's it's not the Facebook sphere. It's not It's not for newspapers. you to call someone yeah. to find out where they are. The first year that I went to Burning Man, I went with a well-acculturated group of people. And they told me that when you're out at the party and you go out every night with a big group of people or a small group of people or a couple people, but there's so much going on. There's so many things that can pull you out in a different direction. And it's really easy to get lost and it's really easy to get separated. And you absolutely should try to find the people that you left your camp with, that you were planning on hanging out with for maybe 60 at the most 120 seconds. And if you don't find them in that amount of time, chances are you will not find them for the rest of the night. Or maybe you will bump into them randomly five hours later. But the point is, if you spend all night looking for your friends, you will spend all goddamn night looking for your friends. And you can do that outside of Burning Man. Just as like a heads up of the thing that you should do. Is uh -huh. If you're going out at night with your friends and you're a group of people that want to stick together, come up with a call. Something you can call out to each other in the dark that you can respond to a call and response. Just if you're walking by large groups of people who are standing in the dark surrounded by really bright flashing lights, it might be difficult to find your friends. So... Marco Polo your way around the playa. Exactly. My group of friends does ass-ass, and then off in the distance, you'll hear someone shout, Titties! Titties! But to clarify, don't do Marco Polo. No, that one might be... Uh, there's a group of friends that I had that we did zebra sounds. Oot, 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 oot. It's very distinctive. Beth, I love that you know what a zebra sounds like. Yeah, they're pretty neat. I Is love that now we know what zebras sound like. Is that from your time in Zambia? <laughs> Okay, that's all of those things. That is all 10 of them? Yeah. All 10 principles, Unless ladies and gentlemen. Unless you missed one, but don't worry, it was a repeat anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we had 15 principles. <laughs> Radical redundancy. So this is being a good citizen, ways to deal with the city. Oh, my God. Look, almost everyone out there is a good person, but there are some people out there that aren't great people. There's no reason not to bring out a simple way to lock up your bike just so it doesn't go walking away. Just because someone took your bike doesn't mean they're a terrible person. 
Chances are they were drunk or on something else and thought that your bike was their bike. And the easiest way to make sure that they don't think that is for your combination not to be their combination. And decorate your bike. If you are a person who bikes around your city, this is probably not your city bike. This is not the bike that you're riding all the time. Not if you want to do it again when you get back. Yeah, don't bring out your nice bikes. Whatever bike that you're bringing out, you need to be able to recognize it. If you can't identify your own bike, you're in trouble. So put some decorations and shit on it so you can find it again. Or a beacon. It's flat and empty out there. And sometimes that gigantic art structure that you left your bike by is a car that will drive away. (laughs) True story. (laughs) Took me like four and a half hours to find my bike. Yeah, something really recognizable is well advisable. I've had a friend chain their bike to an art car and then just like lose that art car. (laughs) (laughs) Bicycles kick ass, but motorcycles and sit down scooters are stupid. They're not allowed. You can bring your like stand up go ped or your stupid little hoverboard. But if you do, you're probably kind of an asshole. You also have to keep it at five miles an hour. So why not just walk? And I imagine like the batteries for those are really, really expensive. And something that batteries generally don't like is being in 120 degree heat for hours upon hours during the day and then chilling down to like 40 degrees at night. And then the next day heating back up to 115 degrees. That is a great way to kill your battery. Yeah. Also, alkaline dust and electronics don't usually get along or uh, for that matter, intakes on two stroke motors. Make it easy. It's hard enough to maintain your bike out there. Yeah, leave your scooters at home. There are children on Playa. There are kids. There are underage children. So remember that. And if you're bringing your children, gross, stop it. (laughs) If you're someone who regularly walks around naked with a vibrating cock ring on and you see a gaggle of children playing on a trampoline, maybe that's not the trampoline for you, no matter how immediacy-ally you want to jump on it. And the org seems to do some work on keeping Kidsville away from all the sex camps. You should do that work, too. Think about where the fucking kids are and don't have sex in front of them, necessarily. No, don't at all. No. No uh, sex around children. No, please, at least not public sex around children. We've got actually a little story about how that can go wrong from Little Miss Cream Pie. Okay, so yeah, it was my friend's first year. And uh, they were coming to Burning Man, and they had heard that uh, you're supposed to bring, you know, some kind of interactive thing. Their interactive thing was going to be like a playground, and they brought all these like swing sets out. They unfortunately camped really close to Kidsville, where all the families camp. They kind of became this uh, unintentional babysitting camp where all of the hippie parents would drop off their kids and then go out and experience Burning Man. And this poor camp full of people that had never been there before ended up having this like de facto responsibility over everyone else's children, which they did not want at all. And way to go, hippie parents. <laughs> way, to, way to fucking go. That's how you get feral kids. Right? Yeah. Oh, the place was just swarming with kids. These are not professional swings or professional people. The kids were falling off, hurting themselves. They had no idea what to do with these like other people's injured children. And um, Take them to medical. <laughs> it was like not their responsibility. So finally... They go, okay, you know what? We are sick of having to leave someone in camp at all times to watch other people's abandoned children on our swing sets. We are all going to leave. And we're going to write a big sign on there that says, 
adult swings only. And they put it up there and they all went out and had a great time at Burning Man. And they came back <laughs> and there was just people having sex <laughs> all over their swings. <laughs> <laughs> Just so there's another voice on this. I like seeing kids at Burning Man. Warms the cockles. Kind of does. The hearty, hearty cockles. Also, I don't know if you guys out there in podcast driving to Burning Man, packing your stuff up for Burning Man land, remember what it was like to be a kid and what you thought it was going to be like when you had to be a grown-up and you had to take things seriously. But I think it would have done me really, really well to know when I was eight or nine years old that when you were an adult, it was still acceptable to play. I didn't know that. I thought I was going to have to grow up and join the marching hordes of, of country industry and, like, work in a quarry or something. Oh, gross. Turns out you can move to San Francisco, be a huge weirdo. <laughs> a particular pet peeve of mine, which is ask permission before you take pictures of someone. There are a lot of really photographable things out there. If you are someone who gets deep enjoyment of photographing the environment around you or documenting your experiences, please check in with people that you are going to photograph before you do. If you don't, people will call you on it. I met a guy who, by the way, introduced himself by unzipping a large tent that I was in, walking in and starting taking pictures of me and my friend. Oh my. Wow. Yeah. Walked right in and then said he had just gotten kicked off of not one, but two art cars for taking pictures of people without permission. Pay attention. Hey, if you see people taking pictures without asking permission of whoever is around, you should stop them. That's part of civic responsibility, I guess. That's this, true. It's yeah. supposed to be a safe place to be in whatever manner of dress that you like to be. And I, as a lady, like to be wearing very little amount of clothing out there. That doesn't mean I want naked pictures of myself all over the internet. There's going to be really good face recognition search in a couple years, people. Don't be shitty. Don't forget, you do not own the pictures that you take at Burning Man. The Burning Man community owns the pictures of Burning Man that you take. And another thing, I love taking photographs. I, I love framing things and looking at them later. But that's not really a part of immediacy. You are removing yourself from experiencing the world around you to a certain extent when you put a recording device between you and the world. Be real deliberate about it. I like to take my nice camera to Burning Man sometimes and get up real early in the morning and just spend an hour, hour and a half taking pictures of art while the light is nice. But I'm not taking that thing around with me when I'm going out to see the city. That's just a thing I do for a little while. So if you see people taking pictures of people without asking their permission, hey, check in with them. Say, hey, did you ask permission? That's a great way to interact with people. And consent is a really important topic for experiences at Burning Man, experiences in general. So we brought in our friend Foxtrot, who gives consent talks out at Burning Man, to talk a little bit more about it. <laughs> <laughs> what, am I, what am I consenting to? So consent is a really complicated issue. Yes, that is true. And so we called in an expert. Dear listeners, please meet Foxtrot. Hello. Hi, Foxtrot. Hi. Foxtrot gives consent talks all over the playa and is just generally deeply involved in consent culture. And she's going to tell us how you can be consenting. How Con sexy consent is. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's talk about how sexy consent is. 
Yeah, that's a that's a great place to start. There's been a modality on Playa for a long time around consent being sexy. And I, I absolutely believe that that is true. But it is not only sexy. Consent is complicated and it's varying. And when we talk to our crews out there, which is a lot of what I do, we're not just talking about sexual consent. We're also talking about consent in just general communication. Uh, I was talking to somebody about it recently and how there's a lot of things that happen before you hit the bedroom with someone. And all those interactions that you have whether they're non-sexually related and they're work-related or whether it ends up being sexy, there's a lot of interactions that happen in there where consent is really key. So when we're talking to our crews, we're talking about, I don't know, I think someone from the sound crew was telling me they tell their crews, don't take someone's tool without asking, which seems really basic, but people do it all the time. Well, They'll it just is pick really... that screwdriver off and fuck right off with it. No, well, they shouldn't. I, right? I'm yeah, living no. <laughs> in an ideal world where people have their tools like I have my tools and like respect. Well, it's tools. so basic. That's the skills they were teaching us in preschool yeah yeah yeah, it's amazing actually a lot of consent i think starts in preschool and unfortunately a lot of it doesn't and should but going back to some of those ground rules is sounds so basic and yet we we fuck it up all the time i sometimes get the nickname the anti-hug fairy out there unlike a lot of people who are the hug fairies a lot of what i talk about in my consent talks out there is there's a culture of festival cultures that when you're introduced to someone you should immediately hug them that is what building this new world in which everyone gets to hug each other all the time and i don't actually operate from that premise I think that hugs are fantastic and I love being hugged, but I love being hugged when people ask me and by people I know or I want to hug. And I don't love being hugged by people who walk up and assume that they have a right to my body. And that is one way when you are introduced to me to really lose my trust pretty quickly. And it happens out there pretty often. And, and if you see someone whose body language pulls back and they offer you a hand, that's a pretty clear indicator that maybe they don't want to hug. And everybody has a different line on different things. Like, I do not care if somebody runs up and hugs me. I very much care if somebody assumes that I'm too hot and they spray me with water out there. Totally. Oh, that's um, the worst. Yeah, yeah, I acclimate really quickly. And like maybe 12, 18 hours afterwards, I am a desert person. There's assumption that when someone's in their own experience, that everyone around them is having the same experience and that the people around them are going to want to have the same experience because they're enjoying themselves so thoroughly. That's the best case scenario. Uh, and so they'll want to share that love by, you know, offering drugs or hugging or doing all sorts of things that they just assume this is such a gift. And why wouldn't you want to be in this experience? And there's a thousand reasons why someone may not want to be in that experience. They could have trauma. They could have illnesses you don't know about. They could just not fucking want to. <laughs> Besides and... the fact that everybody has their own perspective of reality, there are people that have shifted their perspectives on reality out there in such a myriad batch of chemical ways. Right. And just the assumption that someone is on even generally the same plane of reality with you at that point is super presumptuous. And largely unfounded. And it sounds really simple to just say, oh, we'll just ask. And it's, I don't want to be reductive. It's not that simple. Because oftentimes you can get into a situation where someone could say yes, and they don't really want to because they are intimidated, because they're scared, because there's, you know, histories of oppression in a myriad of ways, whether it's gender, whether it's racial, all sorts of things. That someone could feel like their only response that they are safe to make is a yes, even though they feel really threatened. And as the person on the other side of that, you end up crossing someone's boundaries and have no clue that that's what's happening because the other person doesn't feel safe or empowered or they're not in their right mind to be able to actually give you their honest, genuine consent. I don't like to talk about this from a perspective of victim blaming. I do like to talk about a perspective of starting a conversation with yourself around where your consent is. Where are you at? And with our volunteers, we talk about, have you had water? Have you had food? Have you had sleep? How are you doing? Do you need time alone? Do you actually want to be in this interaction? And we talk about that even from conversations about like logistical conversations. Like this is a conversation you even have the space for right now, let alone sex. There's a whole desert between here and there. There are so many things influencing your decisions. Yeah. So many more than just 
the last cocktail you had. And a lot of people after I've given these talks will come back to me and say like, thank you. I really needed to hear that. And I didn't know I did. And they're telling me that from the perspective of someone who's been assaulted or who's had, you know, their boundaries crossed. And they're also telling it from perspective of people who've crossed people's boundaries before and been on the other side of that. And we've all done it. I did it to, you know, a friend three years ago and we're on the beach. We're having a great time. We're drinking and they fell in the sand and I'm like, oh, they look really great. Um, But they totally want to kiss me right now. And I go in to kiss them and they look at me like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I am such an asshole. I thought we were were not doing that. You're drunk. What am I doing? And I think a lot of people have been in that situation. And and there's a whole other realm of people who are actually uh, intending to harm someone. The one, the story that I end up telling a lot in coffee shop out there was my first year out there, I was baristaing. You know, we're out there when we're baristaing, we're pulling a thousand shots and there's hot coffee flying and there's people running around and everyone's half naked and there's music playing and you're doing dance breaks and everything's crazy. And I had this great runner for, you know, if those of you who haven't worked out there, if you're baristaing, you don't leave your station like ever for four hours. You're just locked to that thing. And your runner is the one who gets you your milk and your chai and all the things. And they're right up in your business the whole time. And I had someone who had to switch mid shift. So my first person I instantly felt comfortable with and he would touch my arm and we were like super jokey and he'd slide his hand around my waist and we'd do all these things and felt totally comfortable not an issue we'd work together for two days halfway through the shift he ends up training someone new and this person was their first time on burn first time at playa super excited maybe their second day out there and they're watching my old runner and he's running around and he's you know touching me and he's giving me milk and we're joking we're playing and then he fucks off and my new runner i'm pulling a shot and he comes up behind me and he slides his hand around my waist to get me milk and i jumped and almost doused his entire naked front with the hottest espresso ever and i pulled back and i was like oh we need to have a conversation i totally get why you watched that guy do that and thought that that was appropriate and part of your training and that is not part of your job that is an individual circumstance that has to do with this person that had my permission and let's let's back it up and have a conversation about how i would like you to communicate with me in this very particular situation pretty basic you know yeah we're not talking about assault we're not talking about rape we're talking about a basic interaction that really had me jump and almost hurt this person so it's it is a big deal to me but again it's not to to belittle the other things that can happen out there and a lot of people ask me when i give these talks they're like well rape doesn't happen on playa well there's seventy thousand people out there and those seventy thousand people are out there for seven days you don't know them from adam so to assume that assaults aren't happening out there especially with the level of inebriation and all the dialogues are people bringing in from everywhere is uh you know pretty um diverse <laughs> it is diverse complex and- the reality of it is anybody can buy a ticket we don't like give you a a morals test when you come in. And the bigger the event gets and the further it goes along and the more widely publicized it is, you know, that becomes more and more true. My first year out there, I drank a lot of drinks people gave me. I wasn't really thinking about it. And I definitely came in thinking, oh, it's this place where everything is cool. And about halfway through the burn, I was like, what am I doing? Like projecting. This is crazy. Yeah, projecting. Exactly. I'm like, oh, this fantasy land where everything is possible. And that's true. Everything, everything is possible. Good bad, ugly, indifferent. It's all out there. Yeah, you don't get to check out of your situational awareness. No. No, you really don't. In fact, you have to be hyper aware between Uh dehydration, (laughs) gifting, and being distracted. But we all have to look out for each other out there, too. Yeah, something that we talk about a lot out there, especially because we're talking to a lot of volunteers and staff. What do you do when you see something going on that's making you really uncomfortable and seems really shady between two people that you don't know or between people that you do know? I go for the power of public shaming every time. (laughs) Super safe choice, yeah. Uh, I find, I I think that there's nothing better than inciting the community 
to tell someone to fuck off when they're fucking up. So I think that there are extreme situations in which that might be the case. And maybe you feel confident in that you, you know, could take a punch. And that's that's a thing that you can handle. You know, there's a myriad of other responses other than, uh, you know, instigating. One of the ones I give people, which has worked out really well for me out there. Um, I did come across a situation last year where somebody was railing somebody out. And they obviously were being, you know, curled up in a chair and it was really impinged on. And I quickly assessed the situation. And I had been drinking. And I was like, what is the quickest way to get this person to safety? And I walked up and acted super drunk. And I was like, I have to be so bad. And I'm like, inebriate, will you go with me to the bathroom? Like, yeah, and I don't even know where the porto is. What's happening? And grabbed them by the arm. And they were able to walk me. And halfway there, I dropped it and was like, hey, that looked super uncomfortable. What was going on back there? Are you okay? What do you need? Can we get you somewhere that's safe? And who are your people? And that one out there I find to be not the only technique, but a really easy one if you're like, hey, I need help going to the porto because that's kind of a common problem. And or I need water or any of those kind of things. And just long enough to ask someone what's going on. If you have the wherewithal to do that, oftentimes you're looking at a situation, you're like, I don't know what's going on there, but it's bad. I don't know what to do. But we have a whole <clears throat> group of professionals who do that for us. And uh, that's how you unfuck your burn. Yep, you call in a ranger. You call in a ranger. Call a ranger. They're really good at that stuff. Yeah, and they're super easy to find because they're wearing khaki clothes all the time. Hats, jackets, shirts, pants boots yeah no i i second the rangers oftentimes also because getting law enforcement involved in situations like that out there is a questionable idea and sometimes it's absolutely necessary and that's what's appropriate and rangers are the people you want with you if that's what you end up in and rangers are also the best way to get law enforcement they have a radio that'll call them directly they're our community counselors yeah that's kind of their job description yeah no matter what you want them to be your intermediary so foxtrot do you have anything to wrap up with about consent so I sucked at consent most of my life, and and I have a, a history of trauma. So it you know it wasn't something that I was super good at for cultural dialogues, for my own purposes, whatever. For getting to the point where I can treat my body with respect, it's been a it's been a long road. But the cool thing is, is the better I get at it, and especially actually verbal, which is not the only consent by any stretch of the imagination. When it comes to verbal, I find that the more I do that, it empowers the other person to respond in like kind, and you get way better sex for one, and way better communication for the other. If we're not talking about sex, like everybody wins. <laughs> I don't mean to be cliche. It's really true. You know, it's kind of a funny thing to be at this big party and be the person who's talking about all the like unhappy, scary shit that can happen out there. Um, at the same time, it is so deeply important. And I think when you're talking about Burning Man, which is this culture that wants to have a reality that doesn't exist and wants to create this culture in a way that everyone is doing it better than it's ever been done before. And this utopia of like, oh, we're going to gift and we're going to do this and we're going to get rid of money. And oh, that's, you know, negotiable. But then to not talk about how we do consent and to not talk about how to do those things better and to just completely ignore that elephant in the room, I think is really irresponsible. So I think it's a super interesting question. And I end up in fascinating conversations like with you guys. Thank you, Foxtrot. And just remember, everyone. Everyone. In terms of gifting, sometimes some people are mistaken by thinking that it would be a gift to give someone the present of drugs without their consent. Remember that you are not allowed to have illegal drugs at Burning Man any more than you are anywhere else. But if you have chosen to ignore this fact... Don't spike someone's drink with liquor if they don't explicitly want a drink with liquor in it. Or GHB, or LSD, or whatever thing you've got on you. If you want to get somebody high on whatever, ask them. See if they want it. Some folks have hard-won sobriety. And others just have very selective tastes and aren't really into your particular thing. Or anything at all. Should we read the thing on cops from the You orc? took the thing, and then you threw it on the floor. Oh, back. yeah, it's because it's awful. So I'm going to read it. 
sorry. <laughs> I'm such a dick. I'm such a dick. Someone put so much effort into this. It's very pretty. It is very pretty. And it's like, there's a graphic designer who got employed for this. I shouldn't be a dick about this. This is lovely. It's like reading Tolkien. It's a little <laughs> bit... Huh, I guess in this make-believe world... Cops mean this. It is kind of a make-believe world, but the cops mean the same thing they mean in the real world. They mean if you're doing something stupid and illegal where a cop can see you, you're going to go to jail or get a ticket or whatever. Are, are you going to go to jail in a way that's less slurry than the way you just said it? No, no, no. Same amount of slurry. Am um, I being slurry? Will you read it, D-Day? <clears throat> The cop thing, can we just read what they say? Because it's scary otherwise. So there is law enforcement at Burning Man. And law enforcement is doing a difficult yet important job, both on and off the playa. There are multiple law enforcement agencies at Burning Man, including the U.S. Bureau of Land Management and the Pershing County Sheriff's Office. Please respect the valuable work that they do. We could not have the event without their services. It is also the duty of all law enforcement personnel to enforce the law in a courteous and respectful manner. Now, if you need help from law enforcement, please wave down a patrol unit, find a Black Rock Ranger who will help you contact law enforcement, or visit the law enforcement substation located at 530 in Esplanade. The station is open 24-7 during the event and is staffed by BLM and the Pershing County Sheriff's Office. If you have feedback for law enforcement, Please fill out a law enforcement feedback form at Playa Info or at the Black Rock Rangers HQ in Center Camp. Center Camp is all of 6 o'clock. Center Camp is not just the Center Camp Cafe, which is the gigantic tent. Your feedback helps improve how we work with the agencies that ensure the safety of our event. Please be sure to fill out the form completely and truthfully. Include the officer's name, agency vehicle license number, and badge number, and all of that jazz, and make sure you're as accurate as possible. Thank you, D-Day. Law Cops. enforcement. Cha-cha-cha. <laughs> <laughs> it's super awkward to talk about law enforcement. Cops are real, guys. We already mentioned that not everybody out at Burning Man has the best of intentions at all time. It's a good idea not only to lock up your bike, but to lock up your valuables. Leave your wallet in your glove box. Don't bring really valuable things. Don't bring anything that you're not okay with it getting broken or lost. Strong point. In reference to stealing things. Don't steal the street signs. Emergency services use them to orient themselves when they're on emergency calls to help people because there are real-life emergencies out there on Playa. And I can't tell you what to do when the event is over and you're leaving, but during the event, it's really important that the street signs are there. That's how we know there are streets. The street signs are also a lot of handmade hard work. Don't be a dick. It's not your shit. It's not a gift unless they gave it to you. So Burning Man is fun. And if you're not having fun, chances are that's because you have not drank enough, eaten enough, or drank slept enough. enough. water. Drank enough. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Odds are you can have drunk plenty and still need to drink a hell of a lot of water. Snack foods are not necessarily foods, and naps are not necessarily a good night's sleep. Take care of yourself. Burning Man is a marathon, not a sprint. You do need to drink water. You do need to eat some full meals, and you do need to get a couple long stretches of sleep throughout the week. Don't forget that the sun out there is actively trying to kill you 
from the moment it creeps up above the mountains to about the moment it runs away and makes you freezing cold. Wear sunscreen, wear lip balm, and shade is non-negotiable. You need to be out of that sun several hours every day. It's really, really, really hot during the day, and you can be naked, but at night it can be really, 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 really cold. So bring all of the layers that you need to go out at night. Like, bring layers, bring a warm sleeping bag. And it's not just bringing out to Burning Man, but when you leave your camp, it can be a beautiful day out there. Don't think for a second that a dust storm can't crop up in the five minutes it takes you to walk to the porta potties and walk back to your camp. You can walk to the porta potties, a dust storm will spring up. If you don't have your goggles, you can go so far afield of where you think you're walking. Basically, don't leave your camp without a dust mask and goggles and, and some water. water and sunscreen. Yeah. And enough layers that if you don't get back before dark, you won't freeze your ass off. Because that temperature will drop fucking. Also, always bring flashlights even in the middle of the day. You never know when you're going to get back to camp. You might need something to make sure you don't get hit by a car. Don't be a dark wad. Be a dark god. Dark dark wad? Dark wad. Okay, that's good. Let's stop. Nice. The years they sit heavy. The minutes ride fast. You could cut through this night like a knife. Gray hours of November are hard to remember when weather is the measure of life. The music you have been listening to is by Vagabondage off of their album Starlight and Whiskey. Check them out at vagabondageband.com. Sisters in the night, and we're down for bottles of wine. You went through the door. Walked into the dark You knew not what you would find The thing that you feared was alone in your heart The beating of blood and of time There's two stars in the night And they're down for bottles of wine There's two stars in the night came, the sadness is grown, the lightning and thunder caught fire, the greatest love that you found was back home, when hearts are confused by desire, two stars in the night, and we're down for bottles of wine, two stars Stars in the night And we're down for bottles of wine There's two stars in the night And we're down for bottles of wine